as I started rewatching it on Netflix later. Hold it. Yeah. Hey guys, dogs, come here. Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff, and as always, I'm joined by my good pals, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael, uh, they're always at odds with each other. Adversaries to the very, very last breath of their life. They'll always be clawing tooth and nail uh, to argue about the top four things of any certain topic. And this week, the topic we've chosen is fictional elections. And I'd say we chose it, but we didn't chose it. We got it contributed from Jennifer Skornick, who is on Twitter, at jenniferskornick.com. That's not .com. That's spelled how you imagine it is, with seven Ks and three schwas and <laughs> two umlauts. And uh, Jennifer has I probably kept in mind the thing that's probably chief on a lot of people's minds right now, and that is the election. When this comes out... Will the election have happened? Will it? It be? will be a scant four days away. Four days away. So thank you, Jennifer, and uh, Jennifer. Um, we we're happy that you contributed this, and and listeners out there, or followers on the Facebook, or anything, can always uh, contribute some some suggestions for topics. Uh, we'd love to hear. The best thing about that was that Jeff, uh, you know, it's like in the last debates, they ask a question and then they give their canned answer. I like that, Jeff, you had this a canned answer that had to be given. You had to hit all of your points on getting yeah. out our social media. Yeah. You had to get us out there first. And so now we can. can finally answer. Wrong. <laughs> That's our moderator, Richard <laughs> Freddy. Wrong. <laughs> Um, I never said that. I didn't say that. I just <laughs> oh heard you say God. it. No, I didn't and say that. I'm so excited for this election to be done. Over. Just, oh, yeah. Well, democracy might be over in a few days. We'll, There's that. We'll find out. That's yeah. true. Okay, so uh, since Jennifer picked it, neither of you gentlemen picked it, so I am going to go with who is the tallest person, and that is Richard Manfredi. Wrong. Okay, Michael Winfield, you're the taller person. Okay, okay. You're the my, bigger man. <laughs> my f- More uh, handsome man. That's right. Uh, my first choice is... You said, that's right, I am. Well... That's right. Listen. Richard... We're honest here. I'm very attracted to Richard. No. Got weird, guys. Got, got weird. Got really strange. Um, my first choice is the 1996 election between Bill Clinton and Bob Dole as alien replicants, Kang and Kodos, <laughs> from The Simpsons' Treehouse of, or- uh, Treehouse of Horror, number seven. The Simpsons have actually done a ton of election episodes. Yeah, I was just going to say, I had one that almost made my list that wasn't this. It was the uh, Mayor Quinby versus Sideshow. Uh, Sideshow Bob Roberts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they did, they've done about like nine or ten different episodes. You know, it's a, it's a well that they can dig deep into uh, pretty easily. But this one, you know, it was very much of the time. It was based on the 96 election and they had versions of Bob Dole and and Bill Clinton who were having some sort of debate and then they were kidnapped by the the two resident aliens that fly around. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Are they Martians? Are they, who knows? Uh, I'm sure that it, I'm sure that some Simpsons nerd knows what, (laughs) what what planet they're from. And uh, they're abducted and replaced like by like a cloned body of themselves. Uh They cram themselves into like cloned, uh, bodies, and then they go about uh, doing things in their own weird uh, alien way. And what's great is that like the, the country's trying to pay attention to them, but they're just saying like asinine things. Uh, so like the Bob Dole character at some point starts saying like uh, uh, he says like a, a, abortions for all, and people start booing, and then he says abortions for none, and then people Other start people cheering, booing, yeah. and tiny American flags for all, and people start cheering. Um, but it's 
you know, it basically comes down to the end of it where they kind of reveal that they are aliens. And, uh, you know, one of the aliens prophetically says, you know, it's a two-party system. You have to vote for one of us. Uh-huh. And, of course, one of them, you know, Kang gets elected. Yeah. Well, the best part of that, actually, you're leaving there is when they say, you know, they some they bring that up and Kodos or Kang goes, what are you going to do? Vote for a third party? And then you cut to Ross Perot angrily, like, smashing his little <laughs> old-time, like, election-type hat. I, I, I chose this, I think, just because... This rhetoric seems to come up every year, in at least in our elections. The two-party system, the you got to vote for one of them, the lesser of two evils. You know, you can't throw your vote away on a Ross Perot, or this year it's a Gary Johnson. or I mean, honestly, it's Donald Trump if you're, if you're voting for him. But um, I, I do like that they were able to tap into that at the time, and it's kind of prevalent now. And also funny. I mean, I you know, this was right in the... It was peak Simpsons. Yeah. So, I mean, seven years in, it was like writing the, the crest of when they the writers were at their best. And the It's right in the pocket, right in the sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah, let's, like, yeah, let's keep in mind Homer actually had a chance to save Bob Dole and Al Gore <laughs> and accidentally shot them into space. <laughs> What's your first one, Richard? Uh, my first election is from the movie Election from 1999, oh. the high school uh, student body election between Tracy Flick and whatever the hell the character na- what, that Chris Klein played was. Because yeah. he's kind of just like a cipher in this whole thing. Just right. a big, dumb slab of meat. Big, generic, high school American Yeah, yeah. just just a, just a, just a, a, a big old, like, Play-Doh. Piece of Play-Doh. Um, so if you haven't seen the movie, I would highly recommend it. Um, it is Alexander Payne's second movie, his first studio movie that he did. It was a moderate hit at the box office, but it's kind of... Kind of has a cult cult status. Yeah, definitely right? has yeah. a cult status as one of the best comedies, kind of the late nineties. Brought me back into the team Broderick. I really thought he did such a great performance in that. Oh sure, and he hadn't yeah. done a lot before that for the last no, few and he'd years. done some weird things like the. Geez, uh, well, he was in Mars Marlon Attacks. Brando. Yeah, yeah. That. Uh, oh, you talking about the Freshman? The Freshman. I yeah. loved the Freshman. Really? I oh loved it. I for whatever reason, I think just because Brando just played peak. Like he just played a character, yeah. character, a characterization character of, of Don Corleone of himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I really liked that one. I don't know. I thought it was kind of sweet yeah. at the end, but maybe it was one of his weirder movies. Matthew Broderick plays a history teacher living in Omaha, Nebraska, because all Alexander Payne movies must yeah. be set in Omaha, in Omaha, Nebraska. And he's also oversees the student body elections. And there is a student played by Reese Witherspoon, Tracy Flick, who is overachieving kind of full of herself a little bit about it and just sort of annoyingly knows everything about everything hmm. is basically what everyone thinks about Hillary Clinton. Just, kind of a little ruthless, yeah. but also kind of like the know-it-all and kind of doesn't care about people as long mm-hmm. as they do what she says. And She's, you know, built, for, she's built to be president. Basically, yeah. And the year before, she had had a, an affair with uh, Matthew Broderick's Jim McAllister's best friend teacher, and wound up getting the best friend kicked out of school, and somehow Jim McAllister kind of blames her for it a little bit, which is this weird kind of sexual politics thing. Yeah. So she decides to run for student body president, and no one decides to go against her because everyone assumes it's just a sure thing. So he gets, uh, Jim McAllister, the teacher, gets kind of pissed off about this and decides to uh, prop up Paul Metzler. That's his name. Uh, It's Chris Klein, who's basically just the big, dumb uh, football player. To go ahead and run, even though he has no interest in running. He doesn't care. Right. He's just sort of like, great, okay, sounds fun. 
And that's basically his uh, his speech at the uh, big, here's how you speak, you know, the, the big old assembly they always yeah. have is, hey, you want to vote for somebody who wins, and I always win. Which does that sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> and she winds up getting mad and tearing down all of his posters and trying to dispose of them. And the teacher finds out, and then he decides to uh, rig the election on a, on the behalf of the, the jock to make yeah. sure she doesn't win because he's got this idea in his head like, this is the type of person who always gets everything she wants. I'm going to stop her. And I guess the counterpoint I think she makes at one point is. Look, you're just mad because you're stuck here in Omaha, Nebraska, and all these kids come through and they go on to better things, and they go on to you know go to big cities and go have exciting lives. Yeah, and you're just stuck here and you're mad about that. You know, I think it's interesting that elections are a time when we're choosing a leader, but we're also choosing our proxy, and hmm. we want to choose somebody who not always just does the best job, but who mirrors us in the most flattering way <laughs> that we can imagine. Right. And Chris Klein in that is definitely this very charismatic, you know, very kind of simplistic, but all-American uh, winner. Goob. Yeah. Goob, yeah. you know. So I could see how even within the context of Omaha, he's this person that everybody would want to be versus this girl well, who seems it's, to it's just amazing how, try too hard. It's amazing how much a, like a percentage of the electorate always wants to elect the person that they like to have a beer with. Yeah. Yep. And that comes up so so often. It's like, you're not electing your best friend. No, yeah, This, yeah. this person is never going to meet you one-on-one unless you, you happen to do something yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. You have to achieve, you have to like reach this new level that you've never achieved before, whether yeah. you're an athlete that we've talked right. about or yeah. like a you know, a scientist or a, someone that actually goes out to make change. Otherwise, right. they're never they're not having a beer with you unless you live in, uh, yeah, Ohio, you know, Ohio or Iowa, and yeah. you know, for we, a few weeks. We right. would all want to elect John F. Kennedy over Richard Nixon, who was a better candidate at that point, who was probably more knowledgeable about foreign policy and right. international politics and things like that. But you don't want to you don't want to hang out with. Uh, Richard Nixon in a bar. He's sweaty. He probably creeps out the girls when he talks to them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Well, come here and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a shot. How about that? <laughs> What's your second one, Michael? Uh, my second one is it kind of, speaking of Richard Nixon, it, it kind of delves into the more underhanded side of elections. And this is the 1801 Dunny on the Wold by election in the episode Dish and Dishonesty in the third series of the British TV series. Blackadder. Oh, and uh, if you're unfamiliar with Blackadder, they've it's it was a series that an English TV series that only lasted four seasons, like most British TV series do. They kind of know when to call it quits, right? But it's the story of like Edmund Blackadder, and uh, through each series, it kind of travels through time. It first starts out in the Middle Ages, and he's a prince, and the second series picks up, and he's. Uh, Oh, I, th- I think he's like just a duke or something. He's he's yeah. he's progressively goes down with every series. <laughs> it's funny because like he starts out kind of an idiot yeah. and stupid, and so he progressively gets like more and more cunning and evil, and like t- turns into a jerk. I have and not he- seen any Blackadder. Oh, you- oh, oh I, I got to tell you this. It's yeah. got Mr. Bean. <laughs> it's got House. Yeah, Hugh Laurie. Yeah. So so in the by the third series, he's uh, the butler. Mm-hmm. to the Prince Regent, actually played by Hugh Laurie, mm-hmm. uh, who's just, he is an idiot. He's man- maniacally <laughs> stupid and just dumb. Blackadder's his butler, and s- something ends up happening where uh, 
Pitt the Younger, who's played by a teenager. He's, I guess, William Pitt back in the... It, it's very... It's historical. It's like... Okay. Kind of, it's semi-historically accurate. So they were trying to uh, strike Pitt, uh, uh, the Prince Regent's funds off of the civil list. Right. And basically, that's the money that the government has set aside for the, uh, for the monarchy. So they're trying to get him off the civil list, and Blackadder realizing that, you know, all of his... All of his uh, high living, even as the butler kind of is dependent so he sets up what's called a by-election which is like a a random election in the countryside right to have someone um elected as a member of parliament and so he just you know he rigs it all he the ultimately the basically he wanted his stooge uh baldrick who's like his dog's body his like his servant who is also an idiot Uh, he's basically surrounded by idiots at all times Uh there's always uh, being thwarted by just being around stupid mm-hmm. people. Do you think that, that reflects our current election? <laughs> <laughs> um, so ultimately, the uh, yes, it does. Okay. I th- it definitely is like the people that you choose to represent you or to, to serve your own purpose. You can see it like in, you know, the crappy Trump campaign where oh, he's yeah. surrounded by right-wing nut jobs yeah. and people that are yelling. You know... Celebrities quick, who he thinks will... A quick be- tangent, like over the last few weeks, they've had like, you know... Uh, Hillary's had like this huge support from Barack Obama and Michelle Obama yeah. and all these other like people that are out there giving these huge speeches and he's got like nothing. He has like these loud yelling angry men mm-hmm. and his, you know, cleanup crew that goes out Sunday mornings and just has to deal with the things he says, but basically back to the back to the 1800s. Yeah. So the election turns out and it's a town of like, you know, a few hundred people, and the overwhelming vote was for uh, the Adder Party of sixteen thousand four hundred seventy-two, and then the uh, the other side gets like one hundred uh-huh. votes. And it's just like you can see like the machinations and his uh, trying to, and each time he tries to dig deeper into the scandal and de- d- uh, dig deeper into trying to get his man elected, and mm-hmm. eventually moved from you know member of parliament to the House of Lords. Like, fuck it up even more <laughs> but um it's delightful i'll uh, i'll let you borrow the dvd set and never yeah. get it back again oh uh, i'll get it back eventually <laughs> richard what's your second i'll tell you what you give me the dvd set and i'll give you the battle of the network stars that i saw and give oh, back yeah. to jeff okay. we'll just pass then them around you give my couple of copies my batman dvds okay. to jeff okay sounds okay. good okay we, we got it all worked okay. out <laughs> and then somehow i get an extra cat out of this what the heck so my second one is the uh election between Matt Santos and Arthur Vinnick in the last season of The West Wing. Hmm. Which... This is good. This covers a lot of, I mean, a lot of ground. You kind of forget that uh, elections last a year. Yeah. And that it actually happened in the world of The West Wing because the only election you really see is uh, the second election of Bartlett, which was mainly more about his whole MS thing. You didn't really see the nuts and bolts of the election Mm -hmm. as much. And I... To be honest, I did not watch. I did not see any of this when it first came out because I had given up on the West Wing kind of by that point. And so I went back, and actually, my father-in-law was rewatching, was watching all of the West Wing, and I wound up rewatching the or watching for the first time, I should say, the last season. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. You know, you have basically Bartlett's getting termed out. You've got all these Democrats trying to throw their hat in the ring, and. Kind of this dark horse comes in the the form of uh, Matt Santos, who is played by 
professional TV star Jimmy Smith. Sure. And eventual president of space Jimmy Smith. Yes, that's true (laughs) as well. Star Wars is space president. Space Jimmy Smith, yeah. Yeah, space Jimmy Smith. Who is, you know, this congressman from Texas that uh, Josh Lyman kind of tabs as somebody who could go places. And he does not sure if he wants to run, winds up getting the nomination. And he's pinned against uh, Arnold Vinnick, who is the... uh, Liberal Republican senator from California, I which fuck, doesn't exist. I fucking love these guys. Like, like, <laughs> like, like they, that's they, the best they could come up with. Ever can <laughs> contrast would be very liberal versus you know Republican who uh, doesn't believe in uh, restricting abortions. Yeah, that's that's basically their two uh, their two opposing forces. Mm-hmm. There. I mean, we are talking about fictional elections. Yeah. Here, so well, it also seems like the world Aaron Sorkin wants to have. Versus, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's very much this. I wouldn't it be a perfect world if even the Republican candidate wasn't like batshit crazy. Yeah, who would it look like? Oh, it would look like Alan Alda. <laughs> so that's who you end up having is lovable Alan Alda against, like I said, Jimmy Smith. Who I don't know would he be on the Mount Rushmore of TV actors? Guys who are basically just do TV, hmm. like your Don Johnsons. Yeah. Or your uh Do you think that there has to be like I think to be on the Mount Rushmore of TV actors like that, I think that you have you needed to make an attempt at movies mm-hmm. and then kind of slink back to like CSI Miami. Like uh, right. yeah, yeah. Like David Caruso. Like David Caruso. Yeah. yeah. You totally have to fail in features to make it on TV. Yeah. And in I don't know if it's not true in Los Angeles, but I know regional theater, you have to fail on TV to make it on regional theater because it's always who's afraid of Virginia Woolf starring the late starring Murphy Brown you know starring Gary Berghoff Gary Berghoff no I the best thing about this was at one point for the uh, last debate they wound up actually doing a live debate Mm -hmm. between the two uh, characters and it was oh like live on NBC yeah it was it was it was wasn't taped or anything it was just done live and they had all their talking points and everything but they actually just kind of went back and forth. Oh, wow. They did one for the East Coast and did one for the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And it was, sometimes it was kind of tedious to watch, but it was also really fascinating to watch. Yeah. And again, it was that sort of Aaron Sorkin-like masturba- masturbatory dream of what a yeah. uh, election should look like. Yeah, And of course, Santos won. Santos was always going to win. Um, there was some debate because John Spencer um, won. Blues up. Explosion? What's that? John Spencer. Yeah, not the Blues Explosion. No, <laughs> of course he's gonna win. Yeah, I mean, you mean the uh, the poor man's uh, Jack White? Yeah, that guy. No, uh, the Costco Eric Clapton. <laughs> John Spencer, who who had uh, passed away. Yeah, passed away in the right right before the uh, end of the season. He was supposed to be the vice president candidate. So they'd actually. There's a rumor going around that Vinick was supposed to win. But they decided not to because it's like, well, hell, you can't have Santos's vice president die right before the election and then have him lose. Yeah. Turns out that wasn't quite the case, although Vinick was such a compelling character that there were writers arguing right up to the last episode they were writing of the election that no Vinick should be the one that won. His polling was really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, was, he, 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 he did bigly yeah. in the uh, writer's room. Bigly. So. So uh, we are at the halfway point here in our election season show, and we are really excited that a listener has provided this subject this time around, and we would love to hear the topics that you would love to hear us debate on the Mount Rushmore podcast. You can do that by going on Facebook, following us on Twitter, 
uh, going even to the Instagram page where we post things and lending your voice to the conversation. Let your vote be heard, folks. No wasted votes. Nothing's going to cancel out your vote. If you go want to vote a lot, you can go to iTunes and vote by downloading each one of our past episodes, and you can really uh, let your electoral uh, college know who let you are. Le- le- let your electoral college fleet oh, freak flag fly by uh, rating and reviewing the episodes. So we'd love that. Now remember, if you're from California, your vote's going to be weighted different. Your rating's yeah. going to be rated differently so it, yeah. than if you're in Nebraska. Your vote, yeah. may, your, your rating may count more. Or the outlying U.S. Virgin Islands. We really got to work on uh, tipping the swing states here, guys, with our ratings. That's true. Okay, so uh, we're back from the awkward uh, midpoint where I see all that stuff, and we're back to Michael's third. Uh, my third is the 2004 Preston High School presidential election between Summer Wheatley and Pedro Sanchez from the film. Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, wow. Never seen it. Really? Shut the front door. Really? I've seen pieces of it. You've seen oh. the shirts, though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw the Vote shirts. Pedro. <laughs> I saw people doing really bad uh, Napoleon Dynamite impersonations. I saw a Hall- Napoleon Dynamite Halloween costume just recently. Come on. Really? Come on. <laughs> well, to bring Richard up to speed... Um, I know what it is. You don't have to explain. I'm not like an idiot, guys. I don't know. You're not like an idiot? <laughs> no, I'm not like an idiot. I am, yeah. There's no, no simile or metaphor here, whatever you well, call uh, it. For someone who isn't as um, versed. versed in the fine details of the story, rich, white, and popular, Summer Wheatley, played by... Um, What's wrong with all that? <laughs> yeah, I got one of those three. <laughs> one, of, uh, one of the Duff girls, Haley Duff, um, is up against um, newcomer to town, Pedro Sanchez, yeah. um, out of Juarez, Mexico. And he could not be any more unpopular. Yeah. I mean, his best friend is Napoleon Dynamite, who probably is the le- least popular of all people. Yeah. Yes. He's a nerd. He's Pedro's a almost a non-person. Oh, especially his, yeah. in the eyes of all the people yeah. in the school. Yeah. And so he kind of fleetingly decides to run for president of the school just mm-hmm. out of nowhere and, um, you know, runs his campaign with Pedro, this vote for Pedro campaign, and Summer is... You know, almost like a what's the name? An election is seemingly a lock to win it. Yeah. And her her slogan is, uh, you know, with me it'll be summer all year long, and it's it's silly, it's yeah. dumb. Um, but at the end of the uh, movie, uh, they each have to go up and give a speech, and she gives her speech, and Pedro standing in the wings waiting to give his, and like the uh, principal or someone comes by and says, "Well, I hope your your skit is going to be good," and Pedro and Napoleon turned to each other and like skit. He's like, yeah, you you know, after the uh, after the uh, you give your speech, you have to have a skit. And so like immediately he's crestfallen. Yeah. And uh, Napoleon springs into action and um, out of nowhere busts out this ridiculous dance. Yeah. To uh, a Jamiroquai yeah. song. I remember when I watched it. There was maybe been like three movies that I've seen where I was just like gut bustingly on the floor. Like laughing, like yeah. couldn't stop at the theater. One yeah. was this dance scene from Napoleon Dynamite. Two, one of the Austin Powers movies where he f- he's fighting Mini Me, <laughs> and he's like picking him up and throwing him, throwing him around <laughs> like a rag doll. I, this I, is the man who's uh, insulting me about my not watching Napoleon Dynamite. This is the me- this comedy taste of the man. And the third one is uh, there's a scene in Bruno where he's like having sex with his tiny yeah. like Asian boyfriend, oh, and a slingshot the, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those three scenes I've never gotten like just 
Uncontrollable. I, uncontrollable. Thank yeah. you. Um, so, of course, you know, uh, yeah. Napoleon's dance yeah. wins the day. And I, I think I just liked it because it was, you know, it's a an underdog story, but yeah. then also was solved not through politics or not. Yeah. It was just solved through just the love of yeah. dance. And like, and especially like the crowd in the, you know, the high school mm-hmm. gyms reaction to it. It was like that perfect moment where like he finished his dance and then there was a beat. He runs and awkwardly then, off and stage. Then, <laughs> and then everyone erupts and it's just everyone's, yeah. you know, what Pedro I, wins. I'm convinced that that journey of that character from, from, so, so, Napoleon Dynamite's story, I think, is so relatable because it seems like a journey towards personal authenticity. And here's a guy who's surrounded by his brother who's meeting babes online and kind of pretending to be somebody he isn't, and his uncle who's literally wants to devise a time machine so he can go back to this person he believes he was in high school who could have been a contender as a quarterback. I, I, like I said, I haven't seen the whole movie, but I believe, is that the uncle who can throw a football over a mountain? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uncle Rico. He also threw a football quarter mile back in 82. Yeah. And I think what happens in that dance scene is this very exposed, very awkward display of personal authenticity. Here's mm-hmm. a guy who has also been lying to himself about being cool or being somebody who could even help Pedro because he can't really. Yeah. And then ultimately he goes on stage and doesn't put this plastic facade up there. He bears his soul in this most awkward, ugly dance. <laughs> you can't imagine it. It's so ridiculous. Closes his eyes, sways to the music, and I think that's just what's so fabulous about it. He com- com- becomes completely vulnerable. And, uh, you know, I don't know. He's no, he's no longer prioritizing tater tots. He's prioritizing <laughs> his friend Pedro. And look what it did for John Heater's career. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, he, that's interesting. He, Efren Ramirez, yeah, and John Heater each have an identical twin brother. Does Efren Ramirez have one too? Yeah, a, identical twin. That is, they wild. both have an identical twin. I think that's crazy. Our, our mutual friend Scott, who will be joining us in a few weeks for the uh, for an upcoming episode, um, has a story about going to the Ralphs. On uh, in North Hollywood, late one night, and hearing two guys just kind of across the aisle, you idiot, we don't need to get milk. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and thinking it's just two like losers doing a bad yeah. Napoleon Dynamite, and turning the corner, and it's John Heater and his twin brother, his twin brother. <laughs> talking exactly like Napoleon Dynamite in real life. That's crazy. That's great. Okay, uh, your third, Richard, is what? My third is Leslie Nope running for city council oh, wow. mm-hmm. on the uh, fourth season of Parks and Recreation. And I love it because it's just such a silly. I mean, they've part of it is because they have created they they wound up creating this incredible world, sort of a, around Pawnee, with all these like secondary characters who might only get a couple of scenes, but then you know a few episodes, you know, two years later, right. they'll come back, and it's just this incredibly well thought out kind of ecosystem that they they made. And this this one in particular, I mean, Leslie, honestly, I. Tried to watch the first season. I was excited about it. Watched the first couple episodes and was like, "Yeah, this is this is not for me." It's amazing how many comedies start out that way, where the first season is such a turnoff, and then whatever, like as long as they're given a, a, enough rope to come back for a second season, they kind of figure it oh, out yeah. and turn it around. Yeah. Like Cheers, I mean, Cheers, one of the best comedies of all time. First season, not so hot. It's kind of like ah, you. There must have not been a whole lot on, and like you know, the ratings were terrible for right that too. And actually, Parks and Rec, which I found this out as I, you know, years later, went back and just rewatched everything. I guess it was the first half of the first season. 
it just it came off like basically she was like a female Michael Scott. Yeah. And they had like a break and they kind of sat down and realized, wait, this character's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So they kind of returned her almost into like a Tracy Flick, but like more likable. Just this like super like with it, organized, idealistic. This is the way everything is supposed to go. And if I just do everything right, this is going to turn out okay. And she is just constantly thwarted by the idiocy of mm-hmm. everyone around her and then her own inability to basically she understand how to play it, how to how to be in the real world and actually deal with things not going, I think, exactly the way that it, she thinks they should. Yeah. She's definitely a won't bend or break or go into like the gray area uh, like uh, morals wise. Right. And a lot of politics is about kind of dabbling in that gray area a little bit. Right. So she decides she had been working in the parks and recreation department has wants to become a politician, decides to run for city council for Pawnee. And her opponent is Bobby Newport played by Paul Rudd. And right there, it's Paul Rudd. You're in good shape. Yeah. Um, so his character is basically the son of the richest man in Pawnee who mm-hmm. owns like, what? what is the plant that they, I can't it's, a, it's a candy factory. Candy factory. Thank you. <laughs> and they give, they give away a lot of candy and, uh, and everyone loves him because of all the candy. Yeah. Yeah. So he's basically the candy man running yeah. for office, even though he doesn't really want to run for office. Yeah. And it's just all these absurd things that kind of happen. Like they wind up doing a debate where she keeps getting flustered. I mean, the, the debate's fo- sponsored by Sweetums, the candy company. Yeah. And you've got you know heavy hitters like Perd Halpley asking the questions, who is like the local news yeah. airhead. Yeah. And there's also a, a porn, former porn star who is running. Mm-hmm. So it's got like elements of that like weird like California, the yeah. Gray Davis. The Mary Carey. Yeah, the, the the Gray Davis recall election and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's interesting because it's so reflexive of this election. Like everything seems to come. Uh-huh. Like maybe it's every four years, all of this stuff kind of gets yeah. churned up from the bottom. And you know, a rich rich son of a millionaire is facing a very competent woman. And right, yeah. I mean, it's and 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 the bar is set so like in that debate, so the bar is him. set so low for him. Right, that he's just like he gives the the dumbest stupidest dumbass answer mm-hmm. that, and like he's so he's like he doesn't care he doesn't really want to yeah. do it and then everyone kind of treats like anything he says is brilliant and she's giving policy answers and just like all right back to this guy yeah and at the end of the debate uh bobby newport realizes or reveals that if he doesn't win the election his dad's going to move the uh candy company to mexico i believe it was <laughs> <laughs> And so that kind of leads to the big, like, swelling music moment of Leslie kind of ditching her planned, uh, you know, closing remarks to say, basically, you can't hold this town hostage and Mm -hmm. this big, like, speech, which winds up being enough to get the election close enough that it becomes into a recount, which, again, now it starts to debate, now it starts to be the 2000 election all over again. And it's just, there's just so many little goofy, I mean, basically, Bobby Newport's doesn't want to win. He actually tells people to vote for uh, for Leslie Nope at one yeah. point. It's yeah. just literally happy when he doesn't win because he does have to do this stupid yeah. thing. <laughs> In spite of everything, the most competent person wound up winning against an idiot who didn't yeah. actually want to be, but yeah. it wound up being a, a margin of like 20 votes or whatever, mm-hmm. which is just like, this is politics, everybody. I think that's a funny uh, light that is shown on 
the role of leadership, whether it's presidential or others, is that it's sometimes, it's often the worst job you could ever have. Oh, yeah, and then she gets recalled the next year. Yeah. Did she? Yeah. Oh. Next season, she wound up getting recalled. Okay, uh, uh, Michael, wind it up here. Uh, my last pick is the uh, 2008 presidential election between Republican Andrew Boone, played by Kelsey Grammer, Democrat Donald Greenleaf, played by Dennis Hopper, and the single vote that will oh, determine no. the outcome in the election. This can't be a good movie. In the movie, I know the movie. This is not a good movie. It's not a very good movie. It really speaks to the importance of people actually going out and voting. Is mm-hmm. Kevin Costner a baseball player in this? He's not. He plays a character named Bud, uh, and he's kind of like a just loser type guy. He's a single dad with a daughter. So there's no baseball or sports involved? No. I'm out. Baseball. Kevin Costner, no. <laughs> I feel like Kevin Costner scripts are all going to Matthew McConaughey now. Like He mm. aged out of him, and aged, Matthew McConaughey aged into Kevin Costner. Maybe. I think so. So what did you like about it? Uh, well, he plays a character who's just kind of like, he's tuned out from the world. He uh-huh. doesn't really have any opinions. Yeah. He's kind of just, he's kind of not a drifter, but he that's like his mentality. Yeah. He just kind of gets along in life. And his daughter is exactly the opposite, as uh-huh. I'm sure all of our kids are going to grow yeah. up to be the opposite of whatever we are. Right. And uh, so she, you know, registers him to vote and he doesn't care. He doesn't follow the issues. He doesn't know who's even mm-hmm. running for president. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, by movie magic, she sneaks in and casts a vote for him. But the voting machine was unplugged. So the vote registered but didn't count. And everything comes down to, I guess, like the electoral college is tied. And of course, somehow they can track that this was the one vote. I don't, you know, it's a movie, so yeah, who cares? Yeah. Basically, it's revealed that he is the lone person who, uh, whose vote counts. And so for like 10 days, they decide to re he's, they ultimately decide that he's going to vote again and he has 10 days. And it's basically the movie is about, uh, these two campaigns going back and forth, trying to woo his vote on things that he doesn't actually care about Mm -hmm. or have a stance on, Mm -hmm. but they kind of keep constantly misinterpreting the things that he says. And like the Republican, uh, start saying that he's a pro-abortion and the liberal guy changes his like they keep switching opinions just to woo this one vote Uh it becomes as much about like the campaign managers being both sleazy and underhanded but at the end of the movie um like and it's you know it's got good people and it's got stanley tucci and it's got nathan lane and it's like it's filled with good Mm -hmm. actors it's not just a great movie like is stanley tucci a foppish advisor or foppish character who guides somebody somehow he's always definitely the kind of he's kind of more he's more underhanded okay 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 all right but ultimately it comes down to like there's a a final debate that they're going to have at the end between the two candidates Uh and bud's the one that's fielded questions from the people and He's uh, he just gives like this really like emotional, kind of empathic, self-reflexive speech that um, hopefully Richard will put a link up. But it's 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 a great moment. It's just kind of him talking to the people about how he hasn't done his job and he hasn't paid attention and he's kind of drifted through life and he's kind of put everything off and you know not really been a good person and good American. Uh-huh. And it's like this weird kind of like pathos and yeah. 
like you kind of wish everyone in America would kind of have just a moment of looking at themselves in the mirror. And yeah. You don't really need to watch the rest of the movie, but watch that last five mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. And the best thing is you don't know who wins. Ah. Oh, like that's he cool. cast he casts his vote and it like the movie ends with that that kind of like ultimately yeah. it doesn't matter which one of these two campaigns wins. It was more about the voter himself. Yeah. So he voted for a third party. He voted for Jill Stein. <laughs> that's what you're saying. All right. That's great. So, uh, Richard Manfredi. Okay, I am pulling an audible here from what I thought I was going to do. Oh, what? Okay, this yeah. is I'm, I'm, unheard of. I'm, 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 I'm seeing the defense. I see a blitz is coming. Mm-hmm. I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this play. I'm going to okay. get killed. I was going to go with Bullworth. This is some weak chiseling on your heart, yeah. on your part. I was going to go with, with Bullworth. Okay. Just because that's something that everybody, whenever a candidate starts going off the rails. Yeah. They always say, oh, he's having a Bullworth moment. I remember somebody, oh. like you said, speak like naked truth. Okay. Oh, he's having a Bullworth moment. But it's a terrible movie. <laughs> it's a really bad, racisty kind of movie. And it's oh, yeah. probably something that felt like, I mean, he's rapping with like a beanie on. It felt like something that probably 60-year-old Warren Beatty thought was speaking power to the you know, speaking truth to the power, but really just is, ugh. Mm. So I can't do it. So instead, I am going with the Election Night Special sketch from Monty Python's Flying Circus. Oh, that was mine. Okay. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, well, then we, I win. Okay. So this is also known as the Silly Names sketch, and basically it's parodying this coverage of elections in the United Kingdom. And it's, it's funny because Monty Python is not a terribly political show, which is one of the reasons I think why it holds up. So well, there's just not a lot of political commentary or things that are of that particular moment. And even this, which is kind of a spoof of elections, it's really more about the election coverage and how overheated and insanely silly that it is. Python was for a kid in Kansas City who had never been to Europe, and I didn't watch the BBC that much, and I didn't really read that much about politics and understand that they had a caste system, all that stuff. It was an insight into the structure of of British politics and things like that that were very unusual, and all the party systems and things like that. And yeah. It was so funny. Yeah, this was really sort of my uh, same way growing yeah. up in you know, Kingsburg, California. This was mm-hmm. sort of my first introduction into the British uh, election system, yeah. which now that I know more, a little bit more about it, I realize just how incredible this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so partially it's, you know, you've got the commentators, you know, you've got a, you know, they, they'll announce an election result and they'll go to one of the, uh, go to the, one of the uh, analysts and say, well, what do you think about that result? Well, it's exactly as I predicted it would be, except the other person, the wrong person won. <laughs> and I think that's largely because of the amount of votes that were cast. <laughs> and you've got somebody over there, I think it's Graham Chapman with like a, I don't know, like a, like a thing, it's like the swing of meter or something, uh-huh. showing yeah. the swing votes, and it's just like a big arrow kind of arm thing. <laughs> yeah. And he's never actually, he's never giving, well, there's been a big swing, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. And there was one <laughs> loss, gain, and pathetic defeat. Was it <laughs> right. It went so it's partially that, and then it's, which is like this really smart sort of spoof on the the media at the time. But then it's also partially just an excuse for, I would assume, John Cleese to just start rolling up the silliest names yeah. humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. Because you have the sensible party, and the main secondary party is mm-hmm. the silly party. Yeah. And then you'll occasionally have the third party, either the somewhat silly party or yeah. the very silly party. Yeah. So in the um, – 
the Black Adder episode, there was something similar because they had like the Adder party. They had uh, the wig uh, and they had the uh, standing at the back dressed stupidly and looking stupid party. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that was probably, there was probably definitely a nod to, uh, to that episode. Yeah. So you've got sensible party candidates like in Lester, Arthur J. Smith, uh, who loses, loses a close race to the silly party candidate, Jethro Q. Bunwacket, Buzzard, Stubble, and Boot <laughs> Walrus Study. That was something Python did such an amazing job as, like Rocky and Bullwinkle did, as being funny for adults and kids. You know, if you didn't right. know British politics or even really what politics was, you could laugh at Walrus Titty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There, 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 I mean, there's no way that having the, the last one, which is like this... Yeah, uh, 22nd list of like silly names and yeah. ringing bells and uh, train impersonations mm-hmm. gets two votes, but it's, it's <laughs> incredible. It's just, for me, it's that perfect kind of Monty Python mix of really highbrow smart humor mm-hmm. and also that incredible lowbrow. And I think we talked about that in the comedy snobs episode. Oh where yeah. It's just like this, you know, the silliest, stupidest thing you can imagine, but then also this really smart stuff on top mm-hmm. of it. So, mm-hmm. Oh, so uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I, as the judge, now have the dubious honor of getting to decide who wins this election of the uh, person who wins this Mount Rushmore podcast. Uh, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to decide who wins. I'm going to let Jennifer Skornick decide by examining her picks and one of my picks. So um, Jennifer Skornick, I think, uh, really liked Richard Manfredi for a while because Jennifer Skornick, uh, she picked... Um, the runner-up, as the runner-up, Leslie Nope's election for city council and mm. parks mm-hmm. and rec. Um, uh, Jeff Hopkins, the judge, he picked the election night Monty Python sketch. So, I mean, it would seem like he voted for Richard. Um, uh, Jennifer Skornick also picked election as one of her choices. Let's and mm-hmm. she picked Welcome to Mooseport. Oh really? The but the uh, Gene Hackman's la- final Gene movie. Gene Hackman's farewell and Ray Romano's farewell too. I hope so. <laughs> Ray Romano spanking that he went back to television, uh, too. But you know what? Uh, she also picked Bullworth. So how many? Uh, wait, how many did she choose? She chose. She chose. Uh, runner up is is um, Leslie Nope. Uh, Douche and Turd episode of South Park was her fourth choice. So mm. uh, in that she and I agreed with some but then disagreed with some of Richard's choices. Uh, Jennifer and I are going to pick Michael Winfield, and I think it's really because he went all the way towards examining elections in which a candidate did a good job or a better job than some of the Richard's choices of of being the idealistic person that we would like to see or actually examine topics that we'd actually like to examine during an election. So there was a very votable um, streak in Michael's choices, uh, King and Kodos, of course, you know, examined the idea of what the two-party system was, how maybe these two people seem a fundamentally different, but they're both corporate shills anyway. Come on. And why wouldn't we vote for a third party, even if it was Ross Perot? And then the uh, funny idea of that, what would it be like to have uh, Rowan Atkinson as, as a, a politician in Black Adder? There was the uh, Pedro and... Uh, um, Pedro campaign from Napoleon Dynamite, and then the uh, swing vote thing. So Michael's the winner. I, I no, I, I refuse to accept 
Okay, the, let's uh, put on hail to the thief right now. I refuse to accept the. Richard's uh, trying I want, to. I believe, I believe that this was Mr. close Trump, enough. You have to close enough that it triggered a recount. Mr. I believe. I believe that I believe Richard. That Michael has some hanging chads. <laughs> Richard really should take care of. Richard seems to be claiming that this election is rigged or this vote was rigged. Oh my this entire God. time, the media, the I podcast know. world. China, China is behind this. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so thankful to be just about done with this election. Uh, you know what? This is such a great podcast. I think it could go on four more years. <laughs> four more oh, years. No. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore 2016 election edition of its episode. As always, I've been Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 